Hello, podcast friends and family, and welcome back to another episode of the Back Pain Podcast. So continuing our journey beyond just back pain into the wider realm of musculoskeletal injuries, today we're talking about a very rare cause of shoulder pain. Now, Parsonage-Turner syndrome is a rare cause of shoulder pain and weakness, also known as brachial neuritis or neuralgic amyotrophy. It's characterized by very, very intense shoulder pain, which lasts for a matter of weeks, which then fades away, but is replaced by severe muscle wasting and weakness. Now, this can last for a long period of time, up to two, maybe even three years. And in rare instances, it can continue to reoccur. Although very little is actually known about it, it's thought to be caused by an inflammatory autoimmune response to an environmental trigger. This could be many different things, including a recent viral infection, but other triggers have also been identified, such as recent trauma, recent surgery, general anesthesia, amongst other things. Now, this inflammatory response affects the the brachial plexus, which is the bundle of nerves coming out of the neck that control the shoulder and the shoulder girdle and the shoulder blade and goes down the arm. This plexus of nerves becomes inflamed, and that's what causes this severe, really intense pain initially. And then once this has settled down, the wasting of the muscles is caused by those nerves being damaged, so that signal can't pass down to the muscles of the shoulder and arm. So when they're not getting the signal, A, the muscles don't work properly, and they can start to waste away, or atrophy. So we mentioned it's rare. It affects approximately one in every 100,000 people in the UK each year. So that's really not a lot of cases at all. So a diagnosis is often made on the presentation and often by ruling out other conditions because it's so painful initially, often it will make people go to or people will be calling an ambulance or going to A&E. So often other conditions need to be ruled out first. So early nerve conduction studies can tell us which nerves and therefore which muscles are affected. And an MRI can also exclude other causes of shoulder pain. Blood tests can also be used initially, which might show a history of a recent viral infection. So treatment of Parsonage-Turner is mostly focused on pain management, initially through taking medication. Often strong opiates are prescribed, but also neuropathic pain medication like amitriptyline or gabapentin can be used. Now after that, the treatment largely depends on what deficits are present. There is no set treatment for this, so there's no reversing this condition. So it will be working with a clinician or a therapist to maintain as much function and range of motion of the shoulder as possible. Now, the prognosis shows that the vast majority of people will regain about 80 to 90% of their shoulder function back within about 18 months to two years, sometimes up to three years. Some people may take longer or may have residual deficits. Now, joining us today to talk a little bit more about this is Alice Candy, a patient of mine who unfortunately was diagnosed with Parsonage-Turner about nine months ago. And this is three days after having an ACL repair. So poor, poor lady. Now, as you hear, Alice really struggled to find any doctors or therapists who had ever even heard of it, let alone knew how to manage it. So she was really keen to help raise awareness for this debilitating condition. So the podcast became the perfect platform to aid with this. So thank you so much for listening. I will hand over now to myself and Alice having a chat all about her experience with Parsonage-Turner Syndrome. Enjoy. So Alice, welcome to the Back Pain Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank you very much for having me. So you know, as you heard from the intro, this is all around Parsonage-Turner syndrome, you know, the condition which I know that you've experienced. So we'd love to, from your perspective, hear a little bit a little bit more about what it's like, about what you experienced, around what you found helpful and what you found not helpful during your kind of, you know, last few months suffering with this. So what I'd like to kind of jump straight into is kind of firstly, how did this start? So what were the first symptoms which you experienced, you know, that you kind of realised something was wrong? Yeah, so I actually had planned knee surgery the week that symptoms of Parsonage-Turner started. So I'd had surgery on the Wednesday and Saturday night I I went to sleep fine, as in took my pain meds that I was on. 
um, and woke up at about one o'clock in the morning in excruciating pain. And I'm talking, I was already on codeine, so pain should have been very minimal. My knee was very fine, but the pain that kind of started in, in the top right hand of my shoulder and started working its way down, down my right arm was how I would describe very intense, intense enough to wake me up and keep me awake and actually walk up and down in a knee brace to try and alleviate the pain. Um, so yeah, it was very quick on the Saturday and by Sunday morning, um, an ambulance had picked me up because the pain was so bad that I, I, I couldn't keep anything down, any pain relief, any food. Um, so that was my first experience of, Ooh. wow, something's wrong with yeah. me. I'm what it is. So, and was the pain all around the shoulder, the neck? Where was it kind of mostly located? Definitely just around the shoulder. Um, not really around the neck at all, maybe s slightly, but all down the top of my shoulder, down almost to, to the elbow at first. Um, and then as it progressed, it kind of went underneath my armpit. Um, but it was all constantly around the right shoulder. And then what did you think it was at that time? So at three o'clock in the morning on Saturday when you're sat there, are you thinking, what are you thinking? What's going through your head? L yeah, literally that either something had gone wrong with my knee surgery or when I was um, under anaesthetic, in general anaesthetic, maybe I'd been moved in a slightly wrong way. Um, and these sort of questions that I had for myself were questions that everybody had. So the paramedics that picked me up, um, had suggested maybe I just caught got a trapped muscle or something was wrong from my knee surgery and I kept coming to say it's nothing to do with my knee my shoulder really hurts um, but no it was something that I thought might have been as a result of the surgery. So then as you so the ambulance took you into A&E how what happened to A&E when you got there obviously you know they didn't quite know what it was did they run you through a battery of tests? Yep so I had all the the sort of normal tests I think you get when you get taken into A&E in terms of heart rate blood pressure um, temperature to make sure there was no infection um, lots of questions around what medication I was on um, and from that point they actually gave me a drip with um, just paracetamol in because at the time, like I said, I couldn't keep any pain relief in. And as the day moved on in, in, the, in the hospital, the pain started to alleviate a little bit. Uh, but every time that I was sat still or lay down for a long period of time, which you could imagine after knee surgery, that pain kept coming back. And each time it came back, it, it was excruciating. So it wasn't a constant intense pain. Um, it kind of got better through the day and a lot worse uh, at, at night. And then how long did that then go on for kind of over the coming days and weeks before it kind of you said it started to get better? Uh, I would say for myself personally, it was around 10 days, um, which might seem really long in terms of the every night you're getting woken up and, and so on. But I know that other other patients that have Parsons Turner, sometimes that acute phase, the beginning phase, which I'm sure you, you've mentioned and so on, it it can last longer than that. So I was, even though those 10 days were awful, um, I was quite glad that after 10 days, I did start to, the pain did start to subside. And then what symptoms did he start kind of experiencing after that? Was it completely gone? So did he feel that you had a, you know, your shoulder was back to normal or was some other symptoms that started to kind of arise then? Yeah, it really coincided with the, the pain easing up. I really noticed how weak I was. So it is my right arm, which is my dominant arm. So holding a mobile phone in my right arm, trying to text or message, I, I couldn't really do. I couldn't hold a cup of tea, um, even down to, to my two smaller fingers. 
they didn't seem to be they couldn't push out and move a, a remote to the side or anything to the side um and that so at that point when i really thought this is actually something hmm. very serious because it, it takes a while to for anyone to suggest it's parsonage turner syndrome so you are kind of just left with a, a severe weakness a lot of people have um, very very limited movement and i was very lucky in terms of my movement was always pretty good but i was very sure that every morning i would wake up and i would check what movement i had so mm. doing those small exercises of pushing your arm above your head or moving it to the side um, and i really tried to keep on top of well at least my movement's quite good i'm going to really make sure that that stays stays as good as it can be so then during that that kind of that that period when it was bad we being kind of medically managed you know was anyone kind of checking in with you or was it kind of just have you been left to your own devices by this point so i had gone back into to hospital for a second time on the tuesday um and at which point they said it could have been it could be something neurological um and i said brilliant so what does that mean now and they said oh go and talk to talk to an msk specialist um luckily i was already in with with one for my knee um so they were very good and they took me on and looked at my shoulder as well um, and also at this point i would mention that i was now taking amitriptyline regularly um, at first with amitriptyline i was a little bit concerned because they'd gone oh it's an antidepressant and i thought well if tramadol's not working what's uh, what's an antidepressant going to do because because they'd said most of the opioids didn't really touch the sides with with any sort of Parsonage Turner syndrome, um, but the amitriptyline actually did help me, um, and I know it doesn't help everybody, but for me it gave me a break and allowed me to rest, um, which was something that I hadn't had. So that was actually given to me within the first ten days, and that's when I started to see a little bit of improvement, which could have just been the time, but also the amitriptyline did help. So yeah, I was seeing um, a physio, an NHS physio, um, at that point, and that was when when I guess I started, that was my, my hand, my initial person that reached out and held my hand and started to get me through something that they didn't ha know what it was at this time. And I didn't know, but at least there was somebody there um, to talk things through and to, mm. to look at things I was experiencing. So, so the NHS physio was the first person then who mentioned this, this term, Parsonage-Turner syndrome, which I assume you'd never heard of before, or, you know, as you said, it's because it's quite rare. Did you then go home and kind of Google and look it up and think, oh, what is this? I imagine that was quite, quite scary, kind of looking up the, the terms. Exactly. That's exactly what I did. As soon as something was mentioned, because I would like, yeah, by this point, I'd been living with Parsonage-Turner for about five weeks. Um, before it was was mentioned and the reason it took so so long for me which other people might say short time but what took so long is it it wasn't just the weakness that that was presenting it, it was a, a winged scapula so if they, at this point um where the muscle deterioration had happened it take it took a few weeks for it to be visible um so the the physio at this point said oh i think it might be Parsonage Turner. I've only seen one or two of these cases, and they were in their sixties. So I don't want to call them out too much, but um, so they'd only seen in their long career. I'd only seen it once or twice before. Um, so yes, I got home, looked it up, and some of it was really positive in terms of seventy to ninety percent of people make a good recovery. But then it says within two years, and you kind of think at that point, God, what am I going to do for two years if I can't pick up? a cup of tea or can't 
lift my dog off the sofa or whatever it is, those day-to-day things that I was struggling to do, brushing my teeth, putting my hair up. Um, So it was a bit scary looking at everything that you see online. And it's also very vague. So a good recovery for one person in my head could be doing everyday things. But a good recovery would be returning to a good level of sport or being able to play golf, football, whatever, it, tennis, but like all those things, whatever it may be. So I think it is quite vague when you start to look it up. Um, but I also found support groups and they're not always a positive. Uh, they, they can be people that have something, have it really bad and you don't know, there might be lots of other things. But for me, for me, it genuinely helped me because it started to make me think about how other treatments taken abroad, what testing um, can be done. And I kind of just use it as a platform to educate myself around Parsonage Turner, which was by this point something I knew I was going to have to live with for the for the next couple of years. I think that's that's so important. And that's a really important lesson for anyone with any condition is how important the education aspect of it, you know, as you as a patient, you know, not as a medical practitioner, as a patient going through something, you, you took it upon yourself to educate yourself as much as possible. Yes, you obviously you turned to other medical practitioners like myself wherever, where appropriate, but you armed yourself with that own knowledge. And then that is so important because then you have the right questions when you go and see someone. Then you, you, you're aware of the expectations and the prognosis and kind of the diagnosis. Nothing then really came as a massive curveball out of left field. Now, that's not always going to be possible with, with some conditions um, and trying to find information, especially on something this rare, is, is quite challenging. But, you know, with, with, whether you're dealing with back pain or frozen shoulder or Parsons Turner, that education aspect is so, so important, really. And I think that's why, as a testament to you, why, you know, you came at it from such a positive attitude because you armed yourself with all of the information around it. Um, and obviously you then you kind of came across my path, really, which is I think you um, looked at the clinic and uh, I've forgotten how you specifically found me, but someone that had, had, had some experience with Parsi Turner, not an awful lot, but some experience dealing with it. Definitely. Without the research, I wouldn't have felt comfortable reaching out to to any sort of practice or clinician or anybody because I, I didn't feel confident to go in and say, there is something wrong with me, but I don't know what it is. Um, whilst from the moment it got mentioned from the NHS physio, I was online straight away doing the research and actually you'd been recommended um, by by someone and everyone had sung, sung your praises around the clinic and how good it was. So I thought there's no harm in it. And actually one of my first questions was, have you ever dealt with someone that's experiencing Parsonage Turner before? because that was one of my main things. And as soon as you had mentioned that you had seen a couple of people, that was enough for me to go, yes, I really need to get in. I really need to to have these conversations and, and almost start some sort of plan. So then around that time, as as a, a patient, you know, with lo- you had lots of questions and lots of worries and lots of concerns, what did you find, and whether that's something I said or something someone else said, what did you find that was really helpful? That you know, something that you took away and thought that was I'm really glad that person said that to me. I found that beneficial, and then vice versa. Anything which you found was unhelpful that you know, whether that was myself or another kind of medical practitioner said to you. What I found most helpful was actually my first visit to you, where you said, "Just try things. If it doesn't hurt, which was the main point. If it doesn't hurt, why not?" And I think up until that point, I'd been very careful. Um, nobody had known what it was or at this point I still didn't have a full diagnosis so they didn't nobody wanted to make anything worse so everyone was almost walking on eggshells around me to say be careful if it's your nerves 
don't move too fast, make sure you're doing everything very slowly. And I think at the beginning, that was probably very much needed to rest for a few weeks. But after a few weeks, there's only so much you can do and you need to start if the pain allows you to, which mine did, fortunately, allow me to. I needed to start doing something. And that was almost the first time where you'd go, yeah, go to the gym. Like, hold a one one kilogram weight in your arm, <laughs> which doesn't sound like much to anybody. But for, for me at the time, from not being able to hold a cup of tea to holding a one kilogram weight, um, work out exactly which areas were affected most and what was going on with my own body and get a real feel for, okay, I can do this quite easily, but this one is harder. Um, what can I do to work on this? And almost come back to, to you, Rob, with other questions and say, okay, that exercise you gave me was brilliant. I can do it. Look how much I've improved yeah. to this area still needs a lot of work. I'm trying, but what else do you suggest? And that for me was the most helpful kind of guidance that I had um, mm. uh, and that goes hand in hand with the the least helpful was when they everyone just says, "Oh well, don't do it because you might, might might make it worse." Yeah, and I, I thought to myself, "How am I going to make this worse?" It's yeah. already pretty bad, um, uh, and go from there. I think it really was managing managing my expectations, and you, yeah. you and that piece of advice almost gave me hope that I can go to the gym still. I could enjoy yeah. the enjoy doing and i think that's so important and you know with conditions like this as you said you're not going to make this worse you know and as you know as as you know when i saw you you had very little pain by that point i think it was a bit achy a little bit stiff i think but you weren't in anywhere near the levels of pain which you'd experienced i think your knee at that point was back to being worse than your shoulder um kind of post acl but the um um but that the, the shoulder generally you know, we were just dealing with the weakness, weren't we? And it was the, you know, you're very weak. You were very weak in certain positions and obviously couldn't do certain movements. So it was just around, okay, what can we do that's safe? Obviously there is there is a risk of the shoulder being unstable in certain positions kind of overhead. And there's a risk of the shoulder dislocating, um, you know, with, with extreme weakness. Um, but we, you know, we kind of looked at the assessment. We looked at how stable the shoulder was and we kind of gave you that plan to go, actually, this is fine. This is fine. Go to the gym. And someone like yourself who's very active who's very fit you know you're playing lots of sports you know that's your your hobby is football generally then you know someone saying to some saying to someone like that actually you can't do that or don't do this be careful it's just not a very good kind of mental picture and when something when you're dealing with something like Parsonage Turner which can go on for two years getting you back to doing the things which you love to do is so so important and whether that's gym football whether it's you know going for a walk, walking the dog, whatever it is, that's so, so important just for the mental psyche as well. You know, when you've gone through a bit of a shit time as well, you know, which you had done for the last five weeks, getting back into the gym, I think was a massive step forward in just the kind of the, the mental side of things as well. Uh, yeah, 100% agree. Um, even after our last session, um, straight away after that, I went to the driving range for the first time in yes, eight, yeah. maybe longer, just because I felt that confidence and that that extra drive that extra bit of motivation so yeah no trying to trying to keep to doing something that you enjoy really helped me um yeah. so yeah de- definitely a very helpful message fantastic so how far are we down the line now from when it started what what month are we in now um we are i think i'm nine and a half months nine and a half and what what symptoms are we experiencing now so what does it feel like kind of day to day now obviously that there's not a lot of pain anymore there's no pain at all we're just kind of in the, the weakness phase, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. No pain, um, sometimes achy, uh, again, at, at night, but that's more to do with I still have a weak scapula 
Um, so positioning about being uncomfortable, but absolutely fine with with, with pain management. Um, it is definitely the weakness that is still an ongoing issue for me. I think last time I saw you, Rob, actually, I think I was about at 50% from the testing that we did. Um, On the so dynamometer testing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. About fifty percent on my right arm compared to my to my left arm, yeah. um, which it was my obviously my dominant arm was the one that was affected. Yeah. So that's that's almost really nice to hear. Um, and me being competitive, I'm so like nine months. I'm at fifty percent, so maybe at eighteen months I'll be back at ninety five, a hundred percent. Is that is the way I saw that? Um, but I'm still regularly doing exercises given to me. Uh, by you and in the gym um in fact i was in the gym before doing a shoulder session and i'm just trying to work up to a, work up a level when i can it's very very slow i would say to any clinician or person patient that's experiencing it it is very slow and that's probably the most frustrating thing mm. it, it is it will just be a very slow recovery and and i don't think there's any getting away from that so yeah. some have a good week and you say yeah I went to the gym three times and I increased a rep I did or whatever it is and then other weeks you will feel like this is ongoing and it yeah. is really a battle not just the physical yeah. one yeah and I think if, if you remember a lot of your all your weakness was that kind of what we call the external rotation for the shoulder so it's that you know moving the the hand out to the side I think when I first saw you, you know we had one kilo of resistance if that you know you had no no pressure against my resistance at all nothing against the dynamometer um you know pushing against it you had you know nothing just that one kilo weight wasn't it just trying to bring it out w w was a challenge and now we're up to doing three four kilo weights kind of external rotation using the cables using the bands all of those movements stronger overhead you know I think you said brushing your hair was an issue you know putting your hair up and you can kind of reach we use that as a metric didn't we just kind of grading how far you could put your arm up behind your head so all of those are those those positive metrics and then as I think I think I might have said this to you as well just looking back on those little wins is really really positive you're looking back on where you were and then where you are now when you're in the in the, in the thick of it you know nine months in three months in it can be really really challenging thinking I can't do this I can't do that but if you look at where you were three months ago one month ago and I think well actually I couldn't put my hair up before I couldn't hold a cup of tea and now I can do it I know it's not where I want to be but it's a little win and if you just celebrate the little wins day to day week to week at a time it can help it can really really help massively just kind of you're getting over that kind of negative negative barrier sometimes yeah from from nine months ago to to now if if you had offered me nine months ago in nine months you'll be able to brush your teeth, hold your phone, put your hair up, all those things, I would have absolutely snapped your hand off straight away because at that time, everything was hard. Whilst now, being nine, ten months down the line, I'm going, that feels a million miles away because I, I want more than that now. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. snap your hand off. I would be I'm now wanting to snap your hand off or you'll be able to go back to playing sport. You'll be able to yeah. hit the golf ball further because you'll you'll be able to use your full strength all those sorts of things that that I would have taken as a win nine months ago I really have to look back and be grateful for the work that people have helped me the work I've put in myself um because yeah I, I don't think I would have been here without without other people around me supporting supporting me and just being positive when I couldn't be positive yeah
brilliant. Um, and that's why you're doing something like this, you know, spreading the words. I know you said, you know, you've struggled to find information about it. And I think, you know, I've, put, I've had other patients with this since who I've put you in touch with, who you've very kindly kind of reassured and spoken to and given some guidance to as well. And I know that, you know, they're really thankful f- to, to you for doing that. Do you have any other kind of tips which you might have learned over the last kind of nine months or so for dealing with pain, for dealing with the weakness, any of the little hacks that you've kind of done? I know I've got one, which... Uh, whether you said or whether it's another patient has told me I've got one, but uh, that, you've, that you've kind of incorporated in the last nine months. Do you want to use your one first? Mine was um, putting your hairbrush on a spatula. So when you can't lift your arm all the way up to, to, to your shoulder, if you stick your, your hairbrush, you know, duct tape it to a spatula or a long wooden spoon, you can keep your arm down by your side and you can brush your hair. So that's my, uh, <laughs> my, 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 my hack. Yeah, that wasn't me, but that is brilliant. Um, <laughs> For me, I know everyone's so different with, with Parsonage Turner, um, but for me, what really helped was movement. Um, so when I was in pain in the middle of the night, again, this was me in a knee brace with recent surgery, but to be able to kind of get up and move about a little bit in the initial acute phase, that movement helped me loads. Um, so where I could manage a short walk, um, I'm sure people that didn't have knee surgery at the same time, this was a lot easier. But for, if you could manage a short walk or get up, move your arm a little bit, walk up and down the, the landing, whatever you can do, that really, really helped me manage manage kind of neurological pain, I guess, is, is, is something around yeah. there. Um, again, beginning, the rest, definitely try and get that in, even though that's that's hard um, just give your time, body, your body time to to recover, and yeah, I'm trying to think of other tips that really helped me. But other people really helped me. So I think one of the points you mentioned earlier, the research really helped me. Knowing that it wouldn't be forever, it was a it was a acute phase for ten days that was very very painful, um, and then the rest kind of just comes down to to the work I do um, myself uh, and the recovery kind of plan that you put in place, um, but definitely w- movement walks. And I even mm. did think increase my learn about vitamin B and little things like that, that may only make a half a percent difference. Um, marginal gains. My, yeah. Exactly. Anything that I thought would make me have a marginal gain. I really took advantage of anything like that. Brilliant. So then for clinicians who are listening to this, so therapists who are listening to this, who are dealing with patients who, um, might have Parsonage Turner. They might be explaining Parsonage Turner to them tomorrow. They might. Uh, this patient might have never heard around heard of it before. If you could pass a message on to those clinicians, what would you want them to know about speaking to patients with this condition? The biggest bit of advice would be to try and answer the questions. I saw uh, a couple of clinicians, and sometimes I would ask a question, and they would say, "Oh, I, I can't answer that." So whether it be like, "Oh, will this be forever? Will I ever play sport again?" In your, in your deepest, darkest moments, and someone goes, oh, I don't know. Or even if you don't know, you just say, if you want to get back to playing sport, then it's very much in your hands to to be able to do that and put it, the owner sort of back on them. Um, that's what helped me the most is it didn't feel like a a bottomless pit of doom, yeah. um, every question that I asked. Um, so, yeah, definitely answer questions. Find research articles that you can share um, exactly like you've done, Rob, put them in touch with other people if they're willing to talk about it because it is a, a point when you first kind of go through it, you you do feel very alone because they pull out stats like it's one in 100,000. 
and I'm going into hospital and these people that I see to to look after me and and give me that advice don't know what it is I mean mm. I went into hospital twice via A&E and no one gave me any answers into what it could be so I think if they're getting to the point where they they know or you potentially know that it's Parsonage Turner um answering questions as fully and openly and honestly as you can it is the best way to go about it i think that's that's really important and that that honesty because you know you when you came to me you kind of had an idea that this could take you know 18 months two years three years in some cases to kind of get better whereas i've had other patients you know who had no idea and telling someone that actually this isn't going to be better tomorrow. This is this could take up to two years. And at the moment, it's settled down, but it might get very, very weak and very, very, you know, um, you, you might lose a lot of function for the shoulder. It's a very hard conversation to have, but it's that kind of, you have to be honest about this. If you're kind of dilly-dallying around that and saying, dilly-dallying, I've ever said that before on the podcast. <laughs> if you're kind of wishy-washy around that and you're kind of, oh, it might be better. It might be better next month that, you know, fingers crossed. And then it's not, it can be really hard to manage, especially when we're dealing with a, you know, a really challenging condition like Parsonage Turner. So that honesty, as you said, I think is really, really important. Yeah, no, definitely. definitely. And I think just be prepared. I don't know if all patients ask as many questions questions as I ask but I know that I come to every every session with with questions um and I would say that if you've got someone that can answer 90% and try and find out the other 10% it makes a huge difference to to how you feel about Parsonage Turner and and yourself but also the honesty is not necessarily always a bad thing either because at one point, I thought that I would never be able to to brush my teeth again or drive my car. Um, and actually to hear somebody go, no, you, you, you will. It's just a bad time right now. And this is going to get slowly very better. And it's going to take months or years. But you will get there is is really important to hear when you're when you're in that low point. Good. Yeah. So it's a good, good tip for kind of getting you out of the, the, the lowest point when you're, when you're dealing with it. And questions are fantastic. You know, clinicians love ask, ask, answering questions from patients because it shows us that you're interested in it. And we love nothing more than kind of talking about knowledge, you know, because that's what we do. So talking about medical conditions is what we like to do because we're all kind of closeted geeks really when it comes to this. So <laughs> maybe it's just, a, maybe it's just, we'd just like to show off this pretending that we know something. Um, but the, you know, and it shows that you're interested in it. It shows you understand it. it you know, the more educated patients are the more likely are to get on board with doing exercises and doing rehab and doing all that stuff as well so it's really really important you know some people like to ask questions and some people don't like to ask questions but uh, and that's totally fine too but the more educated you are the better you understand it often the the better outcomes that we see as well so brilliant anything else that you think that we haven't covered about Parsi's Turner that you think that we uh that you want to want the audience to hear um I wouldn't even say I I, I de- it definitely works for everybody but for me, finding a practice and someone who had experience of Parsonage Turner syndrome and and different people coming in. I mean, I think you told me two stories when I first spoke to you about it. And one was a sort of a, a rugby player my age, similar age to me, that got it and got back to playing rugby within 12 months or a year uh, or, or 18. Yeah, eight, 18 months. months yeah. Uh, eight, yeah, a year and a half got back to playing rugby um and then another person that you you saw that was was slightly older that that maybe wouldn't have made such a good recovery but hearing the different sides of the story and seeing that there was a light I would really recommend anyone that thinks they have Parsonage Turner or um 
syndrome or has been diagnosed or it's been suggested to get in touch with with a practice that knows a little bit about mm. it because it makes everything so much easier um i saw i think i'd seen three different physios um one through a doctor's one through my nhs i was very lucky with my nhs physiotherapist that they picked up on it um but another one i another person i saw had gone oh wow parsonage turner syndrome I've, I've learned about this and it was really nice that they were um enthusiastic but when they say when someone turns around and says oh i've never seen it before uh what what is it like and asks you all the questions you do feel a little bit like you want to deal with someone that that maybe can answer the questions rather yes. than ask the questions yeah yeah that's, that's that's a really good point so if you're a clinician and you're dealing with this and someone comes to you don't tell them oh this is the first i've never seen this before <laughs> or and and yeah. and yeah be be overly interested in it yeah so it's you want to give that air of confidence that's a really really good point actually so <laughs> thank you for that it was yeah it was just that when i heard that you had dealt with two people for me it was yes I want to see this person. Yes, I trust them. Yes, I want to work with yeah. them. And it's and and with with something like this, it's so rare as well. You know, for, for me to have seen two before is quite rare. And then you, and then I had one a month after another another patient with it a month after seeing you. You know, those are um, if we're dealing with one in a hundred thousand. You know, that's kind of you know <laughs> we're dealing with half a million odds here type thing. And uh, I don't know what the population of Sirencester is, but it's it's not a, it's nowhere near half a million. No, I think it's getting diagnosed more from discussions I've had um, around it, but it's very hard to get a full diagnosis. So a physio or a clinician might say that we think this is Parsonage Turner, but from my experience to actually get a diagnosis and get that in writing is a very difficult experience uh, to go through. If you don't get the testing at the beginning, so if you don't have a nerve conduction study very early on or an ECG or, or something like that, your body's already gone into recovery. So those things start to get better. So every week you go by without having testing done or is less it means you're less likely to be able to get a full diagnosis um of it so yeah so so early recognition is is so important yeah definitely brilliant alice thank you so much for taking the time to kind of have a chat to us around this i know it's difficult to talk about medical conditions it's difficult you've been through a you know a very tumultuous nine months kind of with knee and shoulder all together. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. And thank you so much for taking the time just to kind of raise awareness about this, you know, truly, you know, horrible condition, really. There's no other way of putting it, a really nasty condition. So, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. You know, you're, you've made huge leaps and bounds in, in nine months and it's really, really good to see. So thank you for taking the time to chat to us. Oh, thank you very much for having me on. Really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you everyone for listening and we will catch you on the next episode. Over and out. So thank you so much for listening to that episode. Um, Alice is a really wonderful guest and it was so good to hear her journey, how it's been very, very difficult for her, um, but so good to hear that she's getting better now and really good to have someone who's keen to raise awareness for conditions like this. As always, if you've enjoyed listening to this episode, please share it with someone who you think needs to hear that, be that a therapist, be that a family member, a friend, a patient, anyone who you think can learn something from these episodes. Now, if you're a patient who's struggling in pain and would like some more help, head on over to our website, thebackpainpodcast.com, where you can find out more information about us and you can also pop in your postcode into our search function and you can find a therapist or clinician or doctor or a surgeon local to you who'll be able to help you with your pain and injuries. And these are all people who were tried and tested by us so we know you're getting the best care possible. But that's it from us, over and out, and can't wait to catch you on the next episode.